For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Can you believe this? Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. Hold that follow through. That's right. This is what takes you to another level. Well, I guess, uh, being that it's the next morning, I'm assuming you know what the Pell is up. And being that it is 8.34 p.m. Central Time and the game has just come to a close, I am... I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. What a tough, tough loss for the Pelicans tonight. And folks, we'll get into it, but first, I am your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter, E-L-I-O-T-C-L-O-U-G-H, and uh, make sure before you listen to this podcast to leave a rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, or subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to this podcast right here. Obviously, you know, again, I'm assuming you know by now, Pelicans finished their first actual game in the bubble with a 106-104 to Loss to the Utah Jazz, making their final record against this team on the season 1-3. and three. That first loss coming in October, second loss coming in January, early January. That win January 16th, and of course the loss tonight. So what went wrong, you might ask? Well, folks... A lot of things had to go wrong, considering the way the Pelicans were playing in the second quarter of this game. Not only did the Pelicans go into the second quarter with a 26-23 lead, they outscored the Jazz 34-25 in the second quarter. The Pelicans took a 12-point lead into halftime. The score got closer in the third quarter. Got about around four at one point, I believe. But Pelicans entered the fourth quarter with an eight-point lead. Leaving Pelicans fans, yes, nervous, admittedly so. We're kind of used to heartbreak at this point. But mildly confident. Pelicans were playing pretty good ball, making up runs. J.J. Redick was shooting the ball well. Brandon Ingram had a good good game to that point. But then they proceeded to fall flat on their face when it mattered most and lost. 
Now, this didn't just all happen at once in the fourth quarter, by any means. You can't just blame losses on the fourth quarter. That's an immature thing to do. You have to look at the whole game. So, with that said, in terms of the outline of the podcast, we're going to kind of go back and forth on related negatives, positives, hopefully end on a positive note. I think we will. We've got a little bit of an outline going forward, and I think we're prepared to do that. Sometimes I go on tangents, though. If you've listened to this podcast, if you're a regular listener, <laughs> you probably know that by now. But, anywho, let's let's get down to it, folks. So, Lonzo Ball did not play good basketball tonight. Lonzo was was pretty bad. 2 of 13 from the field <clears throat> and continue to put up shots when he is a pass-first point guard. Zoe not only was 2 of 13 from the field for the Pelicans tonight, he was 0 of 4 from three-point land, 0 of 2 from the free-throw line, It also had three turnovers. He was minus eight in the plus minus. Fun fact, none of the Pelican starters had a positive plus minus. So Zoe scored just four points. No, he's not a scoring point guard. That's not his role, but he does average 12 points on the season. Definitely not four. can tell you that. And the Pelicans don't need to rely on him for that. So, it was just confusing to me, and I think it's confusing to a lot of the people who watch the game, is that he played with the mentality of, I'll keep shooting. And that makes sense for scorers. That makes sense in game 56 of the regular season, of an 82 regular game season. But when you're in the middle of a playoff hunt, when you have to win games in order to get in, and you're a pass-first point guard. And you've been doing that all season. The I'll keep shooting mentality tends not to go well. I.e. 2 of 13 from the field. Lonzo is a good basketball player. Most of the time, I think he's a smart basketball player. I think he played good defense tonight, for the most part. There was a there was a point when he got beat off the dribble. I think it was by Mike Conley in the first or second quarter, and it was ugly. But other than that, I, I think Lonzo played solid defense tonight. There were points where he guarded Donovan Mitchell and did a fine job. So there's a positive and the negative. You know, we're just going to be bouncing back and forth between those two, but... Man, that was really, really frustrating. Had four fouls in the third quarter. Had to be taken out until the fourth. Still played 27 minutes. Was just ugly. Frank Jackson played four minutes. And in those four minutes, he closed out some quarters, played some defense. And wasn't really that bad. Positive 2 plus minus, 1 assist, 1 rebound. Way to go, Frank. And no, he shouldn't have been playing in, in Zoe's absence, at least for the most part. You know, these 4 minutes, end quarters kind of thing isn't bad. But if you can have Drew 
be the guy who brings up the ball. Brandon Ingram in a point forward situation. Go for it. Do it. I mean, Josh Hart brought the ball up a couple times. And we didn't see Josh Hart's best tonight either. Stat line would, would probably be indicative otherwise, at least offensively. 4 of 7 from the field in 22 minutes. 10 points. 3 rebounds, 1 assist. Was he great defensively? I don't think so. Could have been better. To go down the list. Drew, who probably of all the starters, had the best game. 9 of 18 from the field for 20 points. 3 steals, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. 1 block even. But he was minus 13 in the plus minus. Also, he played 37 minutes, so led the Pels in minutes. Played a ton of minutes tonight. So minus 13 in the plus minus. And on the night that the Pelicans conceded 20 turnovers, 20 in a National Basketball Association game, 20 turnovers, 21, sorry. The Jazz had 20. And these Jazz stats are going to kick your ass. Wait for it. We'll get to them in a second here. Drew had six of the 21 turnovers on a young team. A team that fields Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Lonzo Ball every night who are, correct me if I'm wrong, 22 and younger. And between those three, Drew equaled the amount of turnovers that they had. Six turnovers. He's supposed to be the guy. He's supposed to be the... He's not, I mean, he's he's not a vocal guy. We know that. He's not. JJ and Derek Favors, from what I know, have stepped up into that vocal position and have led this team. But Drew is the consistent. He's the guy that's been around for a while. He's supposed to be the most underrated player in the league. And yes, for the most part, he had a good game. Really locked up Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell only scored... Well, scored 20 points, 6 of 14 from the field. But you wouldn't really know that. I mean, he had an impact in the game late. B.I. fouled him, and he made those free throws. But in 36 minutes, Donovan Mitchell really didn't contribute to the degree that we're probably used to. 20 points is just fine. 5 rebounds, 5 assists, just fine. But it's not like the last time these teams played and, and Donovan Mitchell had 46 points and Drew was hurt. Drew's supposed to be one of these savvy vets. Not the guy that turns the ball over six times. Speaking of good defense, Derek Favors. Jackson Hayes played some pretty good defense on the pick and roll tonight. Derek Favors, other than that, didn't do much. Two points. I mean, he played good defense on the pick and roll to start with. I really can't speak to it much more than that. Twenty-eight minutes, and he was one from three for the field. One four three from the field, eight rebounds, one assist, three steals, and a negative nine plus minus, and two points. 
Gobert beat the shit out of Derek on the boards tonight. And and Gobert had 12 rebounds to Derek Favors' 8. That's not a huge difference. But you go back and watch the film and Gobert was getting, like, the majority of Derek Favors' rebounds that he got were when Gobert wasn't on the floor. This was just... Ugh. I mean, to give Jackson Hayes some credit, too, he had some awesome moments tonight. Had a pretty sick putback. Had a couple, I think he had an and one that was pretty dope. Looked pretty good in the pick and roll offense, and he did fight for some boards. I saw Jackson Hayes fight for a board for the first time in my entire life. And it was against Rudy Gobert. He threw his body into him, and he went and got the ball. And God damn it, Jackson, if he can continue to do that, man, that'd be beautiful. And speaking of rebounds, in total, the Pelicans actually out-rebounded the Jazz on the offensive side of the floor. 15 rebounds on the uh, 15 offensive rebounds to the Jazz 12 offensive rebounds. And I'm not going to lie, I was floored when I read that. I'm pretty sure there was one possession that the Jazz had, the Jazz had where they rebounded the ball five times on the offensive end and ultimately got a put back to score. I don't know if it's just, you know, the way our, our minds are tooled to find the negative, but I, I'm just freaking shocked that the Pels out-rebounded them in terms of offensive rebounds. I am freaking shocked. Maybe they just didn't put it. Maybe they, maybe it just didn't translate to second chance points like it did for the jazz. I couldn't find a stat on that, unfortunately, but my goodness, by the eye test, the Jazz kicked the Pelicans' rear on the offensive boards. Statistically, no. Eye test, holy crap. And the Jazz got them when they really, really mattered. There was a missed shot by the Jazz, and ultimately they they grabbed it and got a possession late and scored, and fudge. It's just ugly. Another stat, this is with a stat that is really just going to, it's going to piss you off. I'm not going to lie. Just, I'm going to give you a second. Think, just just think for a second. If you, if you had to guess, what percentage would you say the Jazz shot from three tonight? If it's way off comparative to what it actually was, if, if what you're thinking is way off to what it actually was. I want you to drop it below this tweet that that comes out on, on Twitter. If you're on the Twitter and, and follow me, and if you don't, you can check it out. It's at Elliot Clough. I want you to drop it because I'm very curious as to what your thoughts, what, what you're thinking in terms of the Jazz three-point percentage tonight. 23.5%. 8 of 34 from three. And the Pelicans fucking lost. How does that happen? We've seen games where, for example, the 2017 NBA Finals, first year Kevin Durant was in Golden State, the Cavaliers 
should have lost in four games, yet they got like stupid hot in one game and just made an incredible amount of threes. And that's how they won one game in that series. So, generally speaking, that's how we see the three-point shot really affect games for wins. In this case, the Jazz make a decent amount of those, like get it up to 30% and make two more three-pointers. They win by eight in this game. How, how do you lose when your opponent goes 20, 23.5% from three? How does that happen? How? I don't get it. You have to, it's like, it's like if you fail a class in middle school. Like you have to try to fail. What? What the hell? And you know what? Out of all this, you know who led the Jazz in scoring tonight? Jordan freaking Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson had 23 points for the Jazz off the bench in 32 minutes. And he was minus 15 in the plus minus. He was 32 minutes, minus 15, and the Jazz freaking won. Not Rudy Gobert, not Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Mother Effing Clarkson led the Jazz in scoring tonight, and the Pelicans lost. Ugh. 8 of 17 from the field. Golly. I guess he helped on defense tonight. I saw our guest from this last podcast, McCade Pearson, said that statistically the Jazz were inc- like astronomically better than on the floor with him than without him defensively. Who would have freaking guessed that? But man, Jordan Clark, Jordan Clarkson. And just to get a, a real kick in the nuts for Pelicans fans, not only did the Pels have a 15-point lead at one point in the second quarter. Honestly, it looked like it, they were just going to blow them out of the water. That was some of the best basketball we've seen from the Pelicans. Obviously, it's been a while, so we're going to be a little bit, you know, taken aback by how well they were playing. But it's like the way it felt for me was when you're playing 2K against one of your friends and you refuse to do the mercy rule and you just, like, can't miss. Like, you're just moving the ball around and can't miss. I don't know why it made me think of 2K because it's basketball, but like when you're playing good basketball too, it was just, it was insane. It was just incredibly efficient basketball up by 15. Pelicans Twitter got cocky and then everything went down, everything went downhill after that. And then, you know, at the end of the game, Pels had a chance to win down 106-104 with 6.9 seconds. It was right after Rudy Gobert hit those two free throws. And Brandon Ingram... Kind of, I, I mean, I, I saw some people on Twitter saying he settled for that shot. I thought it was a decent shot. I mean, Brandon Ingram's been hitting shots like that all year, and it went halfway down the cylinder and popped right back out. It really looked like it was going in. And the thing is, I was checking Twitter during the break because, you know, media people have to be all over that when, when the game's going on. 
and my phone vibrated and said that the Pelicans lost. So I got a notification before the shot happened. So I was already pissed off before they even went halfway down. And then it was like, oh, so we lost like that. Like, I was pissed, and then it happened, and then I got more pissed. Ugh. I'm just going to say it again. Talk about a kick right to the freaking balls. Oh, that sucked. Golly. And we haven't even talked about the... We haven't even talked about the uh, the biggest deal of the night. Zion Williamson, Zion freaking Williamson, who is not injured to the to the best of our knowledge, played 15 minutes tonight. He was allotted 15 minutes by the medical staff. And do you know why? It's because they want him to get into a rhythm. Coach Gentry was very quick to put this on the medical staff and not himself, which I don't like. Uh, If you've ever read the book Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, you will understand. Highly recommend it. I'm only a chapter in, but it's dope. Personally think Alvin Gentry really should have taken responsibility for this, not pass it off. Don't like that at all. Other than that, I like Alvin Gentry. I think he's a good dude. I think his offense works. There's more to be said about that. We'll get into it. I personally guarantee I could put my child's, I don't know, my first son's birthright, but I don't know. Doesn't matter. What I'm getting at is I guarantee that this is the first time in Zion's basketball career where he's been healthy but was on the bench in a tie game with less than a minute to play. Guarantee it. Look, I I, I understand. I fully understand. Zion was negative 16 in his plus minus tonight. And his defense was garbage. Garbage. Zion has so much to learn on the defensive side of the floor. I love him. I really do. I promise I do. But, oh, defensively, just bad. But he only played 15 minutes. You can't judge the negative 16 plus minus off that. You got to give him a chance late. In the last five minutes, man. I mean, you can't judge the entirety of the impact off the plus minus. Sure, it's indicative of some, I mean, it's really indicative of some things, of how well the offense goes if your ability to impact winning. But it didn't affect it tonight for Jordan Clarkson, who played 32 minutes, was 8 of 17 from the field, led the team in scoring with 23, and then was negative 15 on the, or in plus minus for the, for the Jazz. I mean, this rhythm thing is really pissing me off. There's got to be something else. There has to be. It just doesn't make sense. Like, you can take nine days off and maybe get a little chunky, maybe have some injury stuff flare up or something. I think Zion did gain a little bit of weight in the nine games. He doesn't look as cut as he did in that picture that we all saw. Granted, at that point in time, he might have been a little 
less than hydrated, so it may, may have looked a little more cut than normal. But this rhythm thing, like, what? First of all, offensively, scored 13 points in 15 minutes. I don't know how the hell you get better rhythm than that. Defensively, yeah. I mean, like, that's the only thing that makes sense. He's real bad on that end. We saw a play tonight where he straight up just let Mike Conley get straight to the basket. But what other freaking explanation do you have if it's if it's not that? Because any other explanation other than defensive positioning, defensive, I guess, quote, rhythm, is bullcrap. It won't hold water. It will make no sense to a lot of us. This is playing scared. And there's one thing that I will not do in this life, and I I have I detest it, is living in fear. Do I have fear? Absolutely. Will I let it control the way I live? I'm going to try my damnedest not to. And fine. There's a difference between... There's a fine line. There's a difference between fear and being smart, especially in a situation where it comes to your hopefully future star player's health. But this is something that could deter people from watching the Pelicans, deter Zion from trusting the staff, to staff, especially when he feels good to go. I mean, he's a good kid, but this type of thing can turn into resentment really quick. If Zion feels healthy, wants to play basketball, and this is a situation where the Pelicans get, work to get into the playoffs, he's going to want to be a part of it. He doesn't want to sit on the bench. He's got to... He's 6'6", 280, and why the hell is he on the bench? If it is for rhythm, what the hell is that? That makes no sense. And while I think Gentry should take responsibility as a leader, he's being pushed into a situation and taking the brunt of this blow way more than he should. Because this is not Gentry's decision. He is not by all accounts, but and especially with substitutions late, not that great. But you're telling me Alvin Gentry does not want to play Zion Williamson right now. That's your case for fire, Gentry. Bullcrap. This is on the front office. This is on management. And I thought when the Pels got rid of Dell Demps that this type of crap would change. But I stand corrected. To a damn degree, I get it. I'm not going to lie. To a degree, I get it. And I don't necessarily like the way Gentry managed those minutes that he was given. And you know I love Swin Cash, Trajan Langdon, and David Griffin. You know I do. But if this is coming from them, what the absolute hell? I know that this year isn't the year the Pelicans win the championship. It's not. We've joked about it. Yes, it's fun. They play some really good basketball, and I enjoy that. But... This is still pretty damn frustrating. I said it on Twitter. I am 24 years old. This game has been over three hours, and I am still upset. (laughs) But the sun will rise tomorrow. And here's the thing. I'm emotional. I may have very well have gotten you emotional, all riled up again, even after after the game's over, we're looking to the Clippers. But, this is one thing that I have garnered from some of my favorite 
TV sports personalities is that even in these raw emotional situations we haven't seen basketball in four months we're obviously really excited to see the pelicans play see what they can do it's just been nothing but hype basically basically since they've been gone and i mean especially in the last month or so so the emotion is understandable but this is the thing that i've taken away from these personalities and that we have to do in situations like this. You do the same thing in a breakup, or if you find out you failed a class, or if you find out you have a bad grade in a class, or if you find out that your dog peed on the carpet, because that can be irritating too. This is what you do. I'm going to stop teasing you. You can't be a prisoner of the moment. You, I'm going to say it one more time. You cannot be a prisoner of the moment. Gentry, Coach Gentry, should not be fired for this. Don't take to Twitter and hashtag fire Gentry because it's not happening. At least not right now. Lonzo Ball is still the point guard of the future. Get rid of him, moving off of him, does not help the trajectory of this team. Lonzo Ball is a good basketball player. One bad night does not result in the Pelicans needing to move on from their starting point guard, who has gotten incredibly, incredibly better this season. The Pels still have seven games to go. Yes, the next one's against the Los Angeles Clippers, who are a very good basketball team, currently second in the West, and just barely fell to the Los Angeles Lakers in the game last night. Pelicans, all they really got to do is match the record of the Grizzlies and one-up the Portland Trailblazers. Both of these teams have really two tough schedules. Pelicans is easy. We've gone over this over and over and over again. And chances are Zion's minutes will gradually return to normal. This is going to be gradual like I said, the whole thing pisses me off. <laughs> but they'll gradually get back to it to normal for Zion. Let's all just breathe. Take a moment. <sighs> this was an emotional podcast, and I'm sure, like I said, it got some of you riled up if you weren't already. But this, things will be fine. This is a talent-laden team with plenty of youth. The future is bright, and there's still plenty of chances to get in the playoffs this season. It ain't over. It ain't over. Like I said, the Pels will take on the Clips on Saturday. So come back tomorrow. We'll be previewing that one. Excited for you to hear that podcast hopefully we'll be getting a guest another clippers guest like we had this last episode so we can preview that it'll be fun be fun to watch pels fans go follow at elliot clough on twitter you're gonna be getting all the pelicans content there that you need of course it's e-l-i-o-t c-l 
O-U-G-H. And while you're here, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you subscribe, leave a rate and review. Do it! The more you do that, the more exposure that you're going to be helping us get here on Believe in New Orleans Pelicans. And of course, exposure certainly doesn't hurt. More likely that we're going to get more high-profile guests in situations like that. And that's that's what you love to see, right, fam? So, And if you're listening on other any other platform, go ahead and do the same thing if it offers the opportunity for you to do so. Go follow Believe on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and you can check out a plethora of their other podcasts on Believe.com or just head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast right here. And you can check out some more Pelicans coverage on SB Nation's The Bird Rights, and that will include some work of other former guests, Preston Ellis, Ollie Cosell, Chris Connor, Kevin Berrios, and David Grubb. So once again, folks, thanks for tuning in today. Make sure you come back tomorrow for that preview of the Clippers game with the Pelicans this coming Saturday. This was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.